what's going on everybody welcome to rapping with reef bum i'm your host keith burkelhammer and today i welcome vinnie altamirano who is the general manager for ghl usa vinnie welcome to the show man i appreciate it keith thank you for having me yeah no this was uh, really cool of you to do this and and i know these are uh trying times for everybody and, and i'm sure you're really busy but uh yeah i think we'll have a lot of fun have a little conversation Maybe kind of start off yeah. about you and how you got into the uh, the hobby, the business, and uh, we're also gonna uh, we're gonna look at a former tank of yours and talk about that, yep. and then we'll get into the uh, to the nuts and bolts in terms of GHL and, and what's going on with you guys. So, how you doing these days with uh, with COVID nineteen? You uh, you're managing through this uh, nuttiness? Yeah, I mean, we're just taking it day by day as best as we can do, you know. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah. it is really bizarre. What's going on in California right now? I mean, it's a pretty much, uh, things are easing right now in terms of restrictions. It's, it's easing, um, but they are sure taking their sweet old time with it. <laughs> so, yeah, just little by little, you know, things are reopening. Um, we are getting back to somewhat of a normal way of life. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to that day. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. In, in Vermont here, it's kind of like um, I think a lot of people got cabin fever for the first couple of months mm -hmm. and, and um, kind of chomping at the bit to get out. Now the weather's really nice. It's, uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah. It'll definitely be interesting. But, uh, yeah, everybody out there, stay safe and uh, be smart. But um, So, Vinny, what, let's, let's kind of start in terms of how you got into um, – let's first start in terms of how you got into the hobby – and then maybe you can, um, you know, gravitate in terms of how you got actually into the business and working for GHL. So what's your story? Sure. sure. <laughs> um, so my story began back in 2003. Um, before 2003, I'd actually had a freshwater tank. And what led me eventually into saltwater um, was a, a friend of a relative was giving away a, a pretty big tank. Um, it was a 55-gallon tank, which at the time to me was a pretty big tank. <laughs> um, and it, with my freshwater setup, I had just a 29-gallon tank. So we're talking almost twice the size. Yeah. Wow. Um, and they were giving away the setup. And so I figured, okay, well, I have two choices at this point. Do I want to upgrade the freshwater system or do I want to give something, give something else a try? And so I'm curious by nature. So <laughs> I, I decided to uh, step into the world of saltwater. Um, and that's, that's basically where, where it all began. And I started off with a 55 gallon tank, um, you know, with the usual, um, hang on back filter, no sump, <laughs> tried, tried to do what I can to make everything work and just learned along the way. And, um, eventually I, I stumbled, I stumbled across the forums. Uh, Reef Central was the first forum mm -hmm. that I, that I came across. And it was through that forum that I learned, um, a lot of what I know today and, and it, along the way, I'd also picked up a, a few jobs working at a local fish store. Um, one of them was working in a, in Greenwich, Connecticut, a store called Greenwich Aquarium. I'm very familiar um, with Greenwich Aquarium. Yeah. <laughs> I yep. used to go there all the time and, and back over, in Connecticut. Yeah. And, and over there, that that's where I, I learned a whole different perspective of the hobby in terms of uh, um, the business side of things, you know, because... You know, just being in the hobby, I learned the you know how, how things worked out on the consumer side, and now I, I had a perspective on the the business side of things. Um, 
Yeah, and we're and working there. That's when I, I learned different methodologies about uh, you know keeping a tank. You know because there's definitely more than one way to to go about maintaining a tank. Um, and when one day I, I everything must have worked out nicely that um, I came across an opportunity to to work with uh, GHL. And uh, Matthias approached me, and he you know he said he's looking to have someone. Um, run run the u.s company and um yeah i put my foot i, I put my foot in the door and i said hey you know i'm, I'm interested <laughs> I'll, I'll give it i'll give it a shot and i'll see what i can do yeah no that's and, a great opportunity yeah and 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 one one of the things that really drawed me towards ghl overall was um the fact that i had used their products uh since 2008 um, so within two years of starting the hobby, I had already had exposure to GHL products and we're going back to the Profilux 2 controller, you know, before the three and ever four was even thought about. Um, and so through the years I've seen, uh, the product develop, I've seen, I've seen a, a lot of improvements added along the way and, and I've, and I've learned, uh, how, you know, how to best use the, the product to, you know, to suit, to suit my, my, uh, what I'm looking to do. Um. Yeah. So, um, yeah. you know, the Greenwich Aquaria, the, the, the owner of that place, um, Jason Edwards, I haven't been there in a long time, mm -hmm. but the show tank in that store is just, uh, how many gallons is that show tank? It's like, it's huge, right? It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's about a 600 gallon, uh, system overall. The display tank itself is about 500 gallons. So it was, a I believe it was a five foot long by four foot deep tank. So yeah. Yeah, there was a lot, a lot of, a lot of space to cover. Yeah, <laughs> Jason's a great guy; he knows reefing really well. So that that must Absolutely. have been a great place to work. Um, but um, oh, yeah. so, how long have you actually been keeping uh, saltwater reef tanks? Um, well, going on almost, almost 15, 16 years. Wow. I've been been in the hobby, and you know, starting off with that fifty-five gallon tank, I uh, eventually moved on up to a seventy-five gallon tank. Um, had that one for a few years. And uh, while I had that tank, I had to I had to move, and that's when I realized the struggles of trying to keep everything alive during a move. <laughs> it's not easy. Uh, that 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 was a, that was quite the learning experience to say the least. Um, definitely challenging. Um, but yeah, and after that, seventy-five gallon uh, was up and running. I decided to retire that and set up a. Uh, custom 67 gallon tank which was made by miracles and that was my um that was the tank where i decided to start using more ghl products on there too this is the tank that uh, we have the video on right all right yeah, let me uh yeah, let's i'm gonna start playing that video why don't you talk about um the uh the tank and the setup and the equipment okay sure all right go ahead okay so yeah, this this was a, a tank built by Miracles. Um, it's a 67 gallon tank. Um, it's a three foot long by 24 inch by 18 inch tall tank, uh, rimless. And this was a tank that I decided to run more, uh, to focus more on GHL products. And in this tank, that's where I ran the Proflux controller. Um, I ran three dosing units because um, I dosed quite a quite a bit of supplements with this system. Um, and it was a it was a it was a predominantly acro. Uh, it was an agro-dominated system. Um, I had had a few Zoas here and there, a few LPS, uh, but my main focus was Acropora, um, because you know, quite frankly, Acropora is is <laughs> is, is the, my my preferred type of coral. 
Um, I find that to be a challenging yet very, very rewarding when you get it right <laughs> type of coral. Um, yeah, and this tank was up and running for about six years. Oh, wow. Um, and yeah, and the photos in the, well, the video that's playing right now is basically um, what it looked like on the second go around. And, you know, by second go around, I don't mean that the first go around failed. <laughs> it was just that it was just that the first time around I had I had enough growth and it got to a point where I was kind of winding down with the hobby and I wanted to I wanted to do something to you know kickstart that excitement again. So I decided instead of an upgrade because I, I, an upgrade wasn't feasible at the time. There just wasn't the space for it. I figured what better way to kickstart the excitement of the hobby again than to tear it down and start it right back up. The, the colors um, on colors on the uh, the tank there, Vinny, are just uh, incredible. What uh, so you you were you were dosing uh, two part? Is that what I'm um, understanding? And, and some other supplements? Yeah, it was um, as far as as far as supplements and bacteria goes. Um, I was running exclusively Fonamurin products, um, so I was putting in Fonamurin amino acids, uh, trace elements from them. I was feeding different types of powdered foods, not through the dosing pumps. These were manually fed. Manually fed. Um, I was putting in different types of vitamins uh, from from their lineup, and I was also doing their their version of the balling light method, which is uh, your calcium, alkalinity, magnesium supplement. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, it was a pretty it was a pretty extensive system. And uh, as far as lighting goes, um, when the tank first began, I was running a hybrid light. It was a T5 LED combo, um, and it was during this time that the uh, the current Mitris LX7s came out, and I decided, you know, let me let me give that a try, uh, and see how that works out. And so I set up two Mitris LX7s. These are the 7206 six cluster lights. I set these over the tank, um, you know, not really knowing what to expect. Um, I've had ex I've had I've had experience with uh, working with LED lights and such. Um, but it was with these lights that I was able to really fine tune and do a lot of experimentation to figure out um, what type of spectrum, what type of uh, lighting duration was uh, was most suitable for the types of coral that I was keeping. Um, and it was it basically took about six months of experimenting um, and somewhat playing around with the par meter. Um, I I don't really I don't put much emphasis on par. Um, but you know, throughout the six-month experiment, just tweaking the light schedules and such, um, that's when I found a suitable combination that gave me both a combination of color and growth. And you know, of course, with stability, <laughs> with with the dosing uh, with of the amino acids and the and the trace elements and you know all, all the other supplements involved, um, that definitely played a major role in in getting the colors that you know that that I have. So this is kind of like a good launching pad for a discussion about lighting. And uh, you mentioned that you use the um, you know the Mitras over this tank. Was it just the uh, the Mitras? No um, T5 hybrid type of um, lighting, just solely the Mitras. 100% LED. So. You know, obviously, there's a lot of folks out there that um, you know are fans of the uh, you know the EcoTech uh, you know lights, the EcoTech mm -hmm. LED lighting, and that's that's got a lot of um, people that um, you know use those lights, and and you don't see a lot of folks with the um, you know using the uh, the Mitras, but there are people out there that use them, and you know in terms of what you're showing with your tank, it's just um, to me it's it's certainly evidence that um, you know. The, the LED lighting does work for uh, for SPS and it can work really really well. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, when it, when it comes to LED, you know, I, I think it's 100% doable to replicate the results that you would get out of a T5 or even out of a metal halide. It, when you're dealing with LED, it's a double-edged sword. You know, you have so much customization at your fingertips. It just leaves a lot of room for error, and that's where tools like the PAR meter um, and using other proven existing projects will really help you out in finding. Um, the type of spectrum and light schedule that works best for, you know, for an individual system. Um, yeah. That's... Talk about, uh, Vinny, the, um, the difference between, you know, the, uh, the Ecotech and, and the, uh, the Mitras. You know, what, what kind of um, differences are there between the two uh, lights? Uh, well, with the, with the Mitras, the light, the, in terms of light spread, the way, the way that the, the light is emitted and the spread throughout the tank, um, the Mitras takes a different approach from other LED fixtures out there, uh, mainly in the, in the reflector design. Um, because when you look at the underside of the, of the Mitras, you're not going to find any optics. And the reason for that is because we found out that when you use optics, um, you end up having a lot of hot spots. And when you have hot spots, you, you run the risk of burning a coral. And that might lead to the impression of, oh, the light is too strong. Let me turn it down. And when you turn it down, now you have another coral showing signs of stress maybe because it's not it's no longer getting the light that it that it was accustomed to so when you when you look at at Amitris and and the way that the reflector is designed um what it accomplishes for the for the hobbyist is it gives you a nice even light distribution it gives you a nice color blending so it eliminates all of the hot spots um it maximizes the spread of the light you know for the size of the fixture a, a six-cluster fixture, uh, which is the LX7206, that's going to give you about a three-foot by two-foot spread. And you can play around with the channel, all the nine channels, however you'd like, and you are not going to find any hotspots. You're not going to find any the disco effect that you would get off of uh, other fixtures that use optics. You're going to get just perfectly, perfectly blended, evenly distributed light uh, from one fixture. And when you when you combine multiple fixtures, you know you get you get even even more even more concentrated results still without these hotspots without the disco effect. Do you see any benefit with using the uh, the Mitras with T5s, or do you not think that is necessary? I mean, you see a lot of people out there uh, these days with the you know these hybrid systems. You talked about it in terms of LEDs and T5s. Do you think that's uh, a way to go, or do you think just the Mitras, uh, you know, by themselves would uh, provide that sufficient? Spectrum, par, what have you, for you know, for a reef tank, especially SPS. I think I think it's perfectly doable to run a successful tank with 100% uh, LED. If you wanted to add T5s, you know, by all means, it's a proven type of light. It's definitely going to give you the results that you know that people strive for. Um, I'd say one of the reasons why somebody might want to add T5 to to an LED, not necessarily just the Mitras, uh, would be you know maybe maybe maybe. The type of rock layout that they have is casting a shadow over a certain part of the tank and they want to get more light in that area but they can't because the led fixture that they have just doesn't you know it just doesn't get there um, so by adding those t5s you 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 are able to increase the light output in that particular area right um all right let's let's uh transition Vinny, to um to another topic and um you know Talk a little bit about GHL, just kind of like the company. It's it's based in, in Germany, right? But uh, can you kind of like talk yep. about the company and the mission, and, and then we'll uh, circle back on a couple other things. Sure. So GHL was started in the 90s. Um, it started off uh, 
the owner, the owner Matthias, he started off his his company um, as a as a manufacturer for for electronics and, and circuit boards, um, and and after after a few years of uh, uh, of running the company, it evolved into offering accordion controllers. The Proflux controller was the first controller offered by by GHL, the company. Um, as far as far as the philosophy goes. Um, GHL focuses on just providing you know the highest quality components possible. How do you do that? Well, the way we go about it is we design, we do all the design, we do the assembly, all the manufacturing happens all under the same roof. Um, and we feel that you know when, when we do that, we're able to oversee a lot of like these little details that, which might be overlooked when you outsource component outsource these type of tasks to to other companies. Um, and with that, we're able to provide a more refined product that that you can be assured that it's going to last you one, two, five, ten years from now. Um, when, especially when it comes to the Proflux controller, um, the Proflux Two, for example, we still have users using that product, and that's a fifteen-year-old product which is going, still going strong for them. Um, so, <clears throat> uh, Proflux controller was the first was the first product offered by GHL, and eventually branched off into dosing pumps. And that's when the first generation dosing pump came about. And that, just like the Proflux controller, was built to the same same degree of uh, quality control. Um, and, and once that came out, then you had then you had the uh, Proflux uh, Proflux three, and then you had the the, do the next generation dosing pump, which was the GHL Doser 2.0. Um, and then these, and then eventually we introduced the Metris LED lighting. And so now, overall, when you look at the whole product that the product lineup that GHL offers, um, we have controllers, we have dosing pumps, um, we have lighting units. Uh, yeah, we have a pretty pretty extensive lineup to suit a wider range of uh, needs that, that the hobbyists may have. Yeah. Now, a couple of years ago, you guys introduced the uh, the KH Director, and, and I'm running one on mm -hmm. my. Uh, I also have a Proflux Four, and I'm running the uh, the KHD as well, and and. Let me tell you, man. You know, when when you're using that adaptive, um, you know, control uh, feature on the KHD, I mean, you could really just lock in to a DKH level on that thing, and that is just awesome to have. Not you know, rock solid alkalinity in a reef tank, and and it's just so cool to be able to do that. And and um, but you know, I mean, there are a lot of products out there in terms of uh, alkalinity monitoring and and controlling. So how, do, how does the KHD really compare to, uh, to what's out there right now? Uh, well, the, what the KHD uh, does is, you know, as you said already, Keith, you know, it can test your alkalinity and it can make adjustments. You know, if, if the KHD finds out that you are a little bit too low or too high on your alkalinity, um, what it'll do is it'll go into your existing dosing schedule and it'll make the, it'll calculate how much of an adjustment is necessary so that it allows your alkalinity to fall back to where where you actually want it to stay. Um, as far as you know, differences. The cage director it does not require a, a controller. You don't you don't need to have a Proflux controller to use it. We offer a standalone cage director set, which is bundled with a standalone doser. Um, that doser is the brains of the whole operation. It's through that doser that that you're able to uh, use the cage director to do your automated alkalinity testing. Um, as far as you know, testing options go. We don't have a minimum testing requirement. You are free to test how you know 
on an as-need basis, or if you want to set up automated dosing, sorry, automated uh, testing, that's also doable. You can do that anywhere between one to 24 times a day. Um, and with every test that happens, the case director will evaluate, okay, what is the test result? And where do you want your alkalinity? And it'll determine, okay, well, it needs to adjust your alkalinity schedule. Does it, it'll, it'll determine whether it needs to increase or decrease that, that dose. Um, and as every test happens, it'll log, it'll log the data for you. So if you want to go back and you want to check your chart to see how your alkalinity has changed uh, throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month, um, and beyond, you can go back and you can get that data so you can get a better understanding of what your tank is doing on a day-to-day -day or on a weekly or, or on a monthly basis. Um, it really helps to fine-tune uh, alkalinity swings. Yeah, and... Um... I see Coral Tank is asking us to talk about uh, the IMD, and, and uh, that was going to be my next uh, set of questions for you. So, uh, yeah, what's up with the IMD there, Vinny? <laughs> so, ION Director, um, it, follow, it follows a similar concept to the case director. ION Director does not require a controller. Um, you, don't need a, you, know, you don't need a ProPlus controller to use it. Um, if you wanted to use it, as long as you have at least a standalone doser, you, have what, you will have what you need to actually use the product. Um, as far as testing goes, it tests five parameters. It'll do your calcium, it'll do magnesium, nitrate, potassium, sodium. And much like the case director, when the ion director does its tests, it'll evaluate your current results and it'll determine uh, how much of an adjustment is necessary so that way it'll, it'll adjust your existing dose schedules to help those parameters fall right back in line to where, where you want them to stay. Um, as far as the, uh, the, the type of technology that's used in the ion director, um, we use a, a multi-ion probe. The probe that we, that we ended up going with is a custom probe designed specifically for us. So you're not going to find this type of probe anywhere else. It's designed specifically for GHL. And, and the, the, the unique detail about this probe is that it's a single tip design. If you look at other ion sensors out there, you're going to find that they use multiple tips. And what that means is eventually you need to replace these tips. So instead of having multiple tips to replace, when it's time to replace a sensor, you're only replacing one sensor. So it makes it a lot easier to, um, to do maintenance and servicing on the ion drive. How, how long does the uh, sensor uh, last? Sensor will last you anywhere between six to, six to 12 months. It really depends on, on the water quality. You know, it, and it also depends on how often you're testing. You know, because with any probe, the more often you use it, the more wear and tear it's exposed to. Um, so six, six to 12 months is what you can expect to get out of it. What, uh, what's going to be the price point for the, uh, for the sensor? Sensors will be about $79. Bucks. Okay. So yep. uh, Coral Tank, you and I are, are right in sync thinking alike here because uh, the question is outside chance for phosphate to be that fifth element measured on the IND. And that was, uh, was going to be my next question as well. <laughs> it's a possibility you know it's uh the hardware on on the ion director was designed with expansion in mind and phosphates are, are one of those parameters that we're uh we're striving to to include at some point you know the main challenge that that uh that a lot of manufacturers face is you know because us hobbyists want to measure phosphate and these these values are so so tiny um a lot of these sensors struggle to read such small amounts and and if they can do it, can they do it reliably? Yeah. And because our philosophy is to, is, is to really focus on a reliable product that works, we're going to keep searching and searching until we find that product that 
perfectly fits fits our needs so that way when the time comes to release a phosphate you know a phosphate testing unit um, you know it'll be available and, and the hobbyists can count on it working when it needs to work and it'll do it reliably and accurately well I for one will uh, keep my fingers crossed for that because that would be awesome <laughs> oh yeah absolutely I'm looking forward yeah. to it too so so Vinny you know the um, the IND was supposed to be released in in the springtime and and you guys did push it back uh, to the fall time why don't you talk about why you did that and and uh, are we still on track for uh, for a fall release yeah yeah, so, so the IND was supposed to be released earlier this year, um, but you know none of us expected a virus to break out and to do what it did. Um, and unfortunately, that had, that had an effect on manufacturing and, and supply chain issues, and it caused supply chain issues. Um, one, of the, one of the final components that we were waiting on to finalize the ION director was our custom probe. Without that probe, we can't have a completed product. <laughs> so, so with that, GHL was... Uh, was stuck waiting on that sensor to you know to be de to be delivered. Um, so, on the meantime, while we wait for that for that delivery to to come about, um, because the supplier of the sensor hasn't been able to give a concrete date yet. Um, so while while we wait on that sensor to be delivered, we decided to add add more capabilities to the ion director. So we we ended up going back and modifying the existing product. We're not going. We're not going back and starting from square one. We're modifying the existing product, and we're making changes like uh, making it more cost efficient. You know, to do tests. We're making it. We're making the um, the testing, the the time that it takes to do the testing. It's quicker now. Um, we are. We're making it uh, use three dosing pumps instead of four. Because originally, when we announced the Ion Director, we were we were saying. You would need to use four dosing heads to run it because you would have one head for your water sample, uh, two heads for your reference A and B solutions, and you'd have uh, a head for your wastewater. Well, now because of the you know because of the ongoing delay, we decided to see how we can make the unit more efficient. And one of the ways we did that is by knocking back one dosing pump, and now utilizing only three heads. So what that means is now you now you only have one one head for your water sample and your two pumps for your reference A and B solutions. The reference A and B solutions, by the way, is uh, is the solution that you would that the probe would use to do the automatic calibration, um, which, by the way, is another unique feature of the ion director. Um, like like other testing stations, you know, such such as the KH director, um, the ion director does not require uh, any any type of calibration of the sensor itself. Uh, because the system does it automatically for you. Um, just before a test happens, uh, what, the ion, what the ion director will do is it'll use the reference A and B solutions uh, to calibrate the ion sensor. So that way, by the time that calibration is complete and your actual test begins, you're testing with a freshly calibrated probe, and that's going to get you the most accurate results possible. Where, where's the um, where's the wastewater going? So you don't have the fourth head, which was for the uh, for the wastewater. How, how's the uh, wastewater getting discharged? So the way it's going to work is you have you have the water sample pulled in from your system, and this all this happens after the calibration of the sensor is complete. So after the calibration is done, you have your your water sample pump pulling water from your tank and putting it into the measurement cell of the ion director. The test happens, and after the after the ion director gives you your results, 
it'll that same head which took the water from your tank will then run in reverse and it'll put that sample water right back oh okay so it's just reusing the water yep oh, Correct. that's cool um yeah are you guys confident that uh it will be a, a fall release or is it still kind of like fingers crossed because of what uh, is going on with covid no we're, we're confident in a fall release you know the reason we haven't provided a you know a concrete month is because you know there's still a lot of uncertainty going on with, uh, with with our suppliers and and with them not being able to tell us when we can expect the final components to be delivered. You know it's tough to say. Okay, well we're going to have the ion director on this specific month. That's why we went for a, a more a more wide range uh, launch date, and that's why we said the fall time. Well, folks, it uh, it is uh, in production right now, and and Vinny, you um, mm -hmm. you have a video that we're going to play to uh, to yep. prove it. <laughs> so I'm gonna play that. Yep, I'm gonna play that, and then we'll uh, we'll come back after that and just uh, talk a little bit more about that. So let me let me roll this. Okay. It's all automated. Um, it's all done under the same roof, and uh, so we get we get to we're, we're, you know, keep a close eye we're, on things. We're back, man. That was um, I'm getting really excited now, Vinny. That uh, how many of those have you guys cranked out so far? <laughs> quite quite a bit, <laughs> quite a bit. We have a nice pile going on there. Um, like I said, just waiting on the final components to come in so that we can have a final product ready to ship. Do you want to kind of talk about what we were looking at there in terms of the machinery? Yeah. So. The headquarters in Germany is is completely fitted with all the on-site equipment to do all of the machining, all the soldering, um, all all those type of things are automated, uh, all under one roof, and that that allows us to maintain tight quality control standards, um, and it also allows us to you know create a a more refined product. You know, instead of counting on an outsource, instead of outsourcing and you know, counting on them to hope, hoping that they did it right. 
um, we get to do it ourselves. We see we see how things work out, and if we need to make any changes along the way, we do it right then and there without counting on anybody to do it for us. Uh, yeah. So we had another question, uh, and and folks, by the way, um, definitely chime in with any uh, questions in the chat. We'll um, I'm kind of like cruising through there and looking at your comments and, and what have you. So feel free to ask Vinny any questions that you would like. I see there's another one from Coral Tank. He's asking, or she, is there a maximum length for the sample line from the tank on the ion? It's, it really depends on the rise and the run of the tube. Um, for, the, you know, for the most part, if we're talking about a, uh, a horizontal distance, you could, do, you could do about 40 feet. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it comes down to the capabilities of the pump itself, not so much of the ion director. So the, the pump itself could pull from that far away. Gotcha. And it could send it into the ion director for its testing. Yep. And as long as the head is calibrated at that, at that length, you know, by all means, it's, it's certainly doable. So the Trident is another, um, you know, um, piece of equipment out there that mm -hmm. can do similar things. Can you talk about the differences between the IND and and the uh, the Trident? The Trident is actually in the marketplace now, but um, yeah, just uh, touch on that, Vinny. Yeah, um, well, Trident and IND they both use different different technologies. Um, with with the Trident, I believe there are some reagents involved in there, um, and with the Ion Director. There are no actual reagents. Instead, you know, we use reference fluids, and these reference fluids are only used for calibrating the ion sensor. Um, so, with the ion director, it's a very low maintenance design. Um, and also, because the ion director uses a different technology, we're able to test for different parameters. You know, that, that's why we have parameters like potassium and nitrate, and it also opens up the possibility for testing other um, ion-based parameters. Yeah, you know, with phosphate, that's one of them. <laughs> right. Yep. Um, so we have a question from Dragon Slayer about uh, your flow sensors, and is wondering if there's any chance that you guys are going to make any sizes larger than three quarters. Um, it depends. It depends on demand. You know, if the demand is there, um, it's something that GHO will will consider. Um, however, you know, with with a lot of a lot of from, from what we see, a lot of the flows, a lot of people who use our flow sensors end up having three-quarter inch plumbing anyway, um, unless they have a massive size system or a very large return pump. Um, but even then, you know, we, we also have some users that have one-inch plumbing, and they still end up using our larger flow sensor, which is uh, the 9,000-liter uh, per hour uh, unit. That flow sensor will take three-quarter inch PVC. And they and these same people who have one inch PVC, they end up still tying it into their into their return line with one inch plumbing, using reducers, of course. And even then, they're not they're not seeing they're not seeing such a substantial uh, decrease in uh, in flow. Yeah, talk talk about why somebody would want to actually have a flow sensor. Well, flow sensors can come in handy for for many reasons. You know, one of those things would be you know just to get some insight on. Uh, how your return pump is performing, you know, at you know at the placement where you have that flow sensor, um, it'll it'll tell you when the flow or if the flow rate has actually dropped below below the point where you want it to stay. Um, if it actually gets to that point, the Proflux will give you an alarm notification. It'll tell you, hey, flow sensor number so and so has triggered an alarm, and this is the flow rate that's currently being reported. Um, so it'll definitely give you a lot of insight. And in, ter in terms of um, 
tying in a flow sensor with uh, pumps, you can do that through the one to 10 volt interface. So any return pump that had that can be controlled through one to 10 volt, um, you can control the flow rate of that pump using the flow sensor. So if you tell the flow sensor, okay, I want my, I want this return pump to run at 2,000 liters per hour, that flow sensor and the Proflux will make sure that the speed of that return pump is automatically adjusted for you so that it maintains that constant 2,000 liter per hour flow. So uh, I think I know who this guy is. Re Hobo Victory Rider says uh, his flow sensors control his Red Dragon RD3 uh, 100. I think you know this, uh, this person as well, too. But, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, they're, uh, they're a great thing to have to, uh, to be able to monitor the, uh, you know, what, what you're just talking about in terms of the, uh, the external pump. I've never actually used one, but now I'm, uh, I'm kind of mm -hmm. intrigued. I'm just uh... yeah, and it also comes in handy to um, to use to tie in a flow sensor with media reactors, you know, because over time yeah. when we add in things like like GFO and carbon, it's going to get it's going to get clogged up over you know over, over a certain amount of time, and when you have a flow sensor at the output, you, the flow sensor is going to pick it up, and when it gets to that point, the P, the the proflux is going to tell you that you that the flow has dropped, and that's going to serve as a key indicator for telling you when it's time to replace your media reactor. Because, you know, people that don't use flow sensors with their media reactors, they might just religiously change their media every every four weeks, not knowing that maybe in three weeks' time the flow rate has dropped and and therefore the media is no longer as efficient. So by having a flow sensor tied in, you'll, you'll get more insight and, and know when it's actually time to replace the media or at least clean the, the media reactor. So, uh, Vinny... We've talked about the uh, the IND, and, th and that's a new product that uh, is going to be coming out in the fall time. You guys, you know, released the uh, the KHD. We talked about that. You just had an upgrade. Um, how long ago was the uh, the Mitra's uh, light upgrade? Was that a couple of years ago? Uh, it was about four years. Four ago. years ago. Almost four years ago. Yeah. Any uh, any updates for that in the works, or is that not uh, in the cards right now? Um, well, it's not in the cards right now because, you know, quite frankly, with the way that the light performs, you know, there's really, you know, not much more that you can add to it. I mean, with, with our light, you don't need a diffuser because with we, because of the design that, that's used in the reflectors, it accomplishes that diffuser-like effect. So it's, or, it's already there in terms of light spread and blending. Yeah, um, interesting. So I'm just looking at some more of the uh, the comments here. Um, sure. You know, one one thing I've also heard about, um, you know, when you're comparing the uh, the Mitras to to other um, uh, fixtures like the G5 and the Atlantics, in in terms of the uh, the diodes, can you talk about the diodes and and, and the uh, and you know the fact that um, there there's um, I've heard more blue diodes in those other fixtures than there are in the um, in the Mitras, is is that true? And and um, you know why is blue so important? I guess. Uh, well, the corals utilize the blue spectrum the most, uh, but of course, to a certain extent, you know, you, you can get to a point where the corals become photosaturated, and you can keep blasting it with blue, and you're no longer going to see much benefit from it. Um, but with in in terms of um, the ratio that we use in blues. Uh, we, we do focus more on the bluer end and, you know, it really depends on which, you know, which fixture we're talking about, which one we're comparing it to. 
because um, I do know that the G G5s, they have two different versions where they have one that focuses pretty heavily on blues and then they have another one which is their, I believe their standard design. Um, with the with the Demetrius, we, we focused more on, on the bluer end but still maintained a nice balance uh, between the, the warmer side of the spectrum um, because that spectrum also has, has its benefits to the coral, especially in terms of pulling out reds and, uh, and greens. So Vinny, we've had a couple of um, questions about supply in the USA for, uh, for GHL products. What, um, what's going on with that? I know that there's, there's certain products that uh, supply is limited. Can you talk in, in terms of, you know, will, will that um, work itself out in the next few weeks once, once things, um, you know, kind of settle down with the COVID thing? Or is this something that we're going to have to kind of, um, you know, manage for, uh, for a couple of months? Yeah, uh, we throughout, throughout pretty major increase in in, uh, in shipping volume, uh, which makes sense because inevitably, you know, a lot of people are spending more time at home, and because they're home, they're just spending more time on you know working on their tanks. Um, so with that, you know, with that, we're seeing a lot more volume coming in, and you know, we're we're ordering in from Germany a lot more often and in much larger quantities. Uh, but of course, we have we have scenarios where that, that we don't have control over, you know, such as how long it takes us for how long it takes for our shipment to arrive uh, from Germany, you know, because when it gets when it gets to customs, you know, we don't have control over those type of things, um, and and not to mention that you know because of the virus situation, there's just less flights going out to the U.S. and so it just so you it creates this natural bottleneck of shipments, and it just creates, yeah, it just creates a bottleneck of shipments, and that just means that it takes longer for a prepped pallet from Germany to actually leave Germany and get to the U.S. Um, so we are we are seeing increased shipping times, um, but you know, like I said, we're doing we're doing what we can to get everything out as soon as possible, and you know, this is this is only temporary. Once once things get things get uh, figured out with the virus and shipping comes back to normal, uh, we're going to start getting more more uh, consistent volume of orders and. We're going to start shipping them out much, much quicker. Yeah, I mean, when, when this stuff really hit the fan back in uh, beginning of March or uh, middle of March, the the factory was, was shut down for a while, right? Germ Germany continued they producing. Did? Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Germ when, when Germany does their manufacturing, they order they order in large volumes. So they, they did have enough on hand to hold them over through the first – several months of, uh, of when the virus was, you know, first came about. Um, so because of that, we were able to, to maintain, uh, maintain a, a decent momentum of, uh, of orders coming in and also orders going out to our customers and, uh, and our dealers. Um, yeah. So um, Dragon Slayer is asking some questions about the Maxi uh, Doser. And the question is, you know, he has a 50-foot uh, run for the Maxi Doser to do an auto automatic uh, water change. Should the pump push or pull the water, or does that matter? It's probably better if it if it if it just pulls. Pulls. Yeah, it, it, it's it, it's a slight difference. I mean, it also depends on whether we're talking about a fifty foot horizontal run, or if there's there's a there's a vertical run somewhere along the fifty feet. You know, there's a lot of variables that come into play. I mean, if we're talking about just a straight run across fifty feet. That's fine. It wouldn't. It wouldn't make a difference whether you you push or pull fluid. Um, it'll it'll all work out. Yep. 
All right, uh, folks. Yeah, no. Keep uh, keep uh, asking those questions. Great questions, um, Vinny. What um, what else can we talk about here in terms of um, things that you guys have in the pipeline? Is is um, has there been any talk about the Profilux Four in terms of doing any um, you know redesign on that, or, or again, is that kind of like stuff really put to the back burner right now? Uh, well, the Profilux Four, you know, to this date, continues to get updates. So there's still new features that, that, that are coming about with the controller hardware itself um, and also on the app side of things. Um, with, the, with the app, we've seen a massive improvement just in the couple of years on the types of things that you can do through the app you know, um, that you couldn't do uh, two, three years ago. Um, so to give you an idea, with the app nowadays, you could pull a Profilux out of the box and you will not even need to touch a Windows computer to get it up and running. You can get it. You can you can set it up uh, directly through the app, and we have we have YouTube videos to show you the different ways that you can get your your P4 up and running for the first time. So if you if you have um, if you're a Mac household, you can still set up a a, a P4 controller. You can do it through a web browser. You can do it through your, through your app. You know it doesn't matter whether you have an Android or, or an Apple uh, device. It's all doable. Um, so there, there's a lot there's a lot of improvements that are still in the pipeline for for uh, for the app which is called GHL Connect. Um, one of those one of those upcoming features is going to be a push notification feature. It's going to work in line with the the My GHL Cloud service, and what it'll do is whenever the Provolux picks up a an alarm, since it's connected to the cloud, the cloud will then link up with your phone and it'll notify you when you have an alarm notification. Um, happening, so that way, so that means you don't necessarily have to be uh, connected right then and there to your uh, to your controller. You can just, you know, you'll you'll feel the vibration on your phone, and it'll tell you, hey, you know, your Pro Plus controller has an alarm activated, and it was triggered by this sensor or or uh, or by you know by anything. So, um, Vinny, do you think um, at one point in time you will not need GCC? Um, GHL Control Center, or will that always be a part of, um, you know, the Proflux 4 and doing updates and, and that sort of thing? Or I guess not necessarily updates, but... Yeah, it, it's, it's going to... GCC is, is here to stay. You know, we're not... We're, we are moving more towards a mobile-based based platform, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to get rid of GCC because, quite frankly, why would we get rid of another, another way to access the controller? So if somebody wanted to access the controller through, uh, through a Windows computer, fine. The option is there when, whenever they want to go that route. If they, if they prefer to work with the controller um, or make adjustments through a web-based platform, fine. You have that option. If you want to do it through the app, that's also another option. Um, so, yeah, to answer your question, GCC is going to stay. That's also going to get continuously improved along the way as we start to uh, release new features for, for uh, the app, GHL Connect. So you guys, um, you guys retired the um, Proflux 4 Ultimate Set, and the Ultimate Set compared to the Mega Set included that uh, touch uh, display pad. Any any um, plans? I think this was a question that one of the um, viewers w was asking about. Any any plans to have another um, touch display, or can you just use a small you know iPad as to serve that purpose? Yeah, you can you can use you you can certainly use an iPad. Um, yeah, any tablet for that matter can accomplish the same type of tasks that you can do from the touch display. 
the touch display itself, it was it was a decade old product. Yeah. Um, so especially once the GHL Connect app came out and that started getting more and more updates and becoming more developed, um, we saw more we saw more people falling back to the app and counting on the app to to do things with their controller and to trigger certain commands and using their touch displays touch displays less and less. Um, so we decided to discontinue it again because it's a it's a decade old product. Um, but we do we do have something planned at some point to come out with a new generation touch display. Um, but we have other products ahead of that of that project, which we have, you know, which we're planning to put out. Yeah. No. Listen. I mean, I um, I started using the P4 a couple of years ago. I was uh, I was an Apex user, and 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 um, you know my um, whatever you want to call it, display touch whatever it was, crapped down on me on the Apex. So, you know, the units just kind of like started um, showing signs of age. And I only had it for like three years and, mm-hmm. and, and, and started crapping out on me. But that was also about the time when they released the new, uh, the new Apex. But uh, I love the Proflux. It's great because, uh, you know, there's no, um, you know, complicated coding. You got the drop-down menus. I find it pretty easy wow. to use. I don't, I don't go crazy, you know, in terms of a lot of logic, you know, here and there. But, uh, you know, I just kind of like handle the basics. I, I do, um, you know, water sensors on the floor. I'll, I'll, um, you know, have a feature where if I lose power make sure that the, um, return pumps will kick on five minutes after the power comes back on. So they're not going to, uh, you know, um, um, siphon back or whatnot. So, you know, it's, I, I found the transition, you know, it was definitely tough. There was, there were some growing pains because the, you're, you know, when you're used to one thing in terms of, uh, apex and transitioning to the Proflux four, it, it definitely was, um, it was not, um, you know, very intuitive for me at least, but, you know, now that I, uh, I got through that, I, uh, I find it great. And, uh, you know, I also use the KH director and the, uh, the doser 2.1. So, I mean, I'm a GHL fanboy, but, uh, you know, full dis- disclosure, I also sell your stuff. And uh, I think I, I, I see a couple of, uh, my customers on the live stream. So, uh, I appreciate you guys, uh, tuning in. But, um, yeah, I, you know what, I think it's just high quality stuff that, that GHL makes and, and, um, it's, it just helps you run a better aquarium. And and if, if you could have a, uh, you know, your life made easier in reef keeping, that's a good thing in my book. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And one, and one of the things just to touch base on the, the Proflux 4, um, what sets it apart is the fact that when you, when you want to expand or build upon the existing system, um, the way that we go about things is with the use of expansion cards. And with that, instead of going out to buy a module and then finding a place to mount it, uh, we offer the expansion cards, which, would you, which you would just pop into the housing itself, which means you're not taking up any extra space. You don't, you don't have to worry about mounting anything else. Um, really, you have, not, you, have, you have nothing more than just popping in the card and connecting the, the, the accompanying uh, sensor or the cable to it. Um, yeah, so it ma- it makes for a much quicker quicker expansion route, uh, cleaner setup, less less wiring involved. Um, yeah, it just makes for a much more space saving design. Uh, yeah. So Vinny, we're uh, we're getting kind of close to the uh, to the end here. I'm just looking through some of the comments okay. here again, and um, Dragon Slayer is asking about the Abyss um, GHL contro- controllers. Um, you know, is that a possibility? If you guys carrying that? Being able to control those. Uh, those cables are manufactured through Abyss, 
Um, so they would be the best ones to to pick those up from. I mean, uh, we don't really we don't really see a need to make an abyss cable when there's already one out there. Uh, gotcha. That, you know, that's our stance on it. Gotcha. So, Vinny, any any uh, any final thoughts? Any any um, thing you want to um, you know leave everybody with there in terms of uh, GHL and and what to expect down the road? Well, we have we have a lot of lot of surprises down the road. Good surprises. Uh, we're definitely very much looking forward to the release of the Ion Director and then you know other products that we have in the pipeline for this year. Um, yeah, and as always, you know, if, if anybody if anybody has any questions, you know, we're always open to you know a phone call. If you want to have a discussion about what you have and you have a question about a product, you know, I'm more than happy to go over things with you and answer any questions you might have. Um, if you want to take a look at the products, you know, we have a, a GHL YouTube channel. It's called GHL Advanced Technology. Um, in that channel, you're going to find a whole load of how-to videos. So if you've never delved into GHL products. Um, that channel would be a great way to get some exposure to it and get get an idea of what it's like to work with the products. And you know, of course, if you have any questions, you know, you can always contact us, and we'll answer those questions for you. Yeah, the best way uh, to do it is right to, to contact you guys and open a support ticket, and that'll get the ball rolling, right? Yeah, or if, or if you want to just uh, shoot us over an email if you have a question about a particular product or you need help picking out a certain product for your setup. Um, you can always just send us an email at sales at ghlusa.com. Cool. All right. Well, Vinny, you're getting a lot of kudos here from uh, from the viewers, and everybody's uh, really appreciative, including myself, for you uh, again being a guest on the show. I really uh, enjoyed having you and, and hearing more about what's been going on and what's coming down the pike for uh, for GHL. So, thank you, man. Appreciate it. And uh, no, hopefully, I appreciate you. Thank you. Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll have a trade show coming up at some point in the near future where you know oh, yeah. we could uh, yep. hang out again, but. I don't know. Absolutely. It might not be happening for a All few right. months. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thanks again, uh, everybody, for, for tuning in tonight. And um, again, thanks to Vinny. So my next show will be on June 28th. That's a Sunday at 7 p.m. And my guest will be Greg Carroll, a very accomplished Aquarius. So I, um, I'm sure it's going to be an awesome show, and, and I hope you tune in. So until then, be well, be safe, and we'll see you next time.